0: healing the hurt. You know, as we sang this beautiful song this morning as a congregation, when peace like a river, or the other title, it is well with my soul. To know the meaning and the background of where a song comes from often is very powerful, isn't it? This man that wrote this song, Horatio Spafford, found his wife and children on a ship separated from him. He was going to join them later. And as they crossed the ocean, they were caught in a terrible storm. And as many of you know, the ship went down and all his children were lost. And his wife alone survived. And he received that telegram. And as he made his preparations and sailed across to meet be re- rejoined with his wife. He asked the captain of the ship if he might pause at this point where the other ship had gone down. I want to ask you a question this morning. Was the heart of Horatio Spafford breaking with hurt? Was it? But over the and over the place where he lost his children, the words of this song were brought to his soul. When sorrows like sea billows roll, whatever my lot thou hast taught me to say, it is well with my soul. And in that second verse, he said, though Satan should buffet, Did he know what it meant to be buffeted? Is there anything more tender to the heart of a father than his children? Did he know what it was to be buffeted by Satan? He said, but let this blessed assurance control. Control who? Control his own soul. He said, let this blessed assurance control that Christ hath regarded my helpless estate and hath shed his own blood for my soul. Where did God take Horatio's thoughts in that hurt? Where did he take his thoughts? To the blessed assurance that his Savior already understood his helpless estate. And had led him on. He said, all my sin, the bliss of the glorious thought, my sin, not in part, But the whole is nailed to the cross, to his cross. And I bear it no more. Do you know many people today are bearing their own hurt? I don't know if you've ever thought of this before. But what was nailed to the cross there for Horatio was not just the sins as we think of sins. He had given himself wholeheartedly to his Redeemer. This was his experience. And he could think of it as a glorious thought that he was completely covered and kept by Jesus Christ. Enough that his hurt was given completely to God. And then he could say with power, O Lord, haste the day when the faith shall be sight. When the clouds will be rolled back. As a scroll, and the trump shall resound, and the Lord shall descend. What was he looking forward to? Resurrection morning. His faith was not taking him into darkness. His faith was taking him into the light and power of a present living Savior, Jesus Christ. In the moment. You know why so many people are hurting today? Do you know that it's because we too often let our hurts take us into the darkness of why? Why? Why did you do this? Why did my husband do this? Why did my wife do this? Why did my son do this? Why? And I want to tell you, brothers and sisters, right at the beginning of this message, you will never get that answer. Never. It will take you into darkness. Do you know that we don't even get an answer for why Lucifer began to cause rebellion in heaven? If there could be a reason why, then there would be an excuse for sin. There is and never will be an excuse for sin, and there will never be an excuse for unresolved hurt. I don't care the cause. Horatio Spatford understood this. He understood it in the short time between getting the news, the telegram, and finding himself on the very spot where his children perished in the water. He got that peace from God. And you know what it says there in that first verse? It says, thou hast taught me to say. When did he learn that experience? Well, we don't know exactly how much of it he learned in those hours after he received that telegram. But one thing is sure in this song, and we experienced it this morning when we sang it, didn't we? Didn't it thrill your soul to sing those words? That inspiration came from God. And that inspiration came into the soul of Horatio in spite of his hurt, his brokenheartedness. This morning... If I had the opportunity to talk with every one of you, and I say this not because I know you, I say this because I know humanity, because I am one of you. If I had time this morning, excluding the littlest ones here, excluding the littlest, if I had time to sit with each child here and each adult here, you would have a story for me if you wanted to be vulnerable hurt. And your story would go either to an unresolved pain that I would still see in your face as you expressed it, or your story would go to the resolution that you found in Jesus Christ. Every one of us has a story of hurt and pain. I could tell you stories of my hurt, but I can tell you stories of how God has healed the hurt. We serve a risen Savior. He's in the world today. You believe it? That's what these meetings are all about, brothers and sisters. That's what the Word of God is all about. He healeth the broken in heart and bindeth up their wounds. That's what the Gospel is all about. Yes, You would have your stories of hurts. You've been lied to. You've been deceived. You've been treated with unfaithfulness by someone you love. You've been abused sometime in your life. You've been rejected by a family member. You've been in a family where your brother and sister can talk to your parents, but you try to talk to them and it's like you're the black sheep and you can't talk to them. Everyone has their hurt, young and old. You know, unhealed, unresolved hurt is real. Is it real? Oh, it's real. It's very personal. And you know, if it's unresolved and it's unhealed, it is very present, very personal. Present. We met a woman at some meetings. An older woman. The Lord apparently put it in her heart to come and speak to us privately. And as she began to share her story of how she had been horribly treated by a leader in the church. And she was a young child. And what had happened to her as a young child? The pain was present. Pain that we found out she had been carrying for more than 40 years. 40 years. When she began to express what had happened to her as a child, All those years ago. And she began to express to us that her parents had tried to go to the leadership of the church and share with them. And you know what they did, friends? You know what hurt her parents? They blinded their eyes. They said, This is an important man. And they pushed them aside. And those parents of this woman who had been carrying this for over 40 years almost lost their way. Pain. She had been carrying it all these years. She she just poured out her heart. She had been rehearsing it over and over. And you know what was happening? After 40 years, do you know what was still happening to her? She would hear something. She would see something. She would drive somewhere. And guess what would happen? It was as fresh as it was 40 years ago. Is that bondage, brothers and sisters? Is that a painful bondage? I want to tell you that that woman came to the close of that Sabbath day a free woman. She no longer carries this. No one had ever helped her heal the hurt. No one had ever dealt with her on why it was still hurting so bad. And she wanted help. There's help in Jesus Christ, brothers and sisters. Young people, there's help. The same help that Horatio Spafford found over the ocean billows you see it's so easy to justify hurt it's one of the reasons people don't let go of hurt it's easy to justify it I'll tell you my story I'll tell you why I was hurt and you will sympathize with me you will understand and I have a reason to be hurt don't I and you'll find plenty of people who will say to you oh yes Yes, brother, that was terrible. You should be hurt. That was terrible. One of the reasons that this dear woman was hurting so long is that that man, that leader in the church, through all those years, never, ever said to her, I am sorry for what I did to you. So then, let me ask you, friends, Is healing the hurt conditional upon someone asking for our forgiveness? Is it? No. Please understand, that healing that comes from Christ is not conditional upon someone saying, I'm sorry, I did this to you. If we're waiting for that to happen, Christ did not wait for that to happen. Did he? Christ died on the cross while we were yet sinners. Christ died on the cross while his disciples were saying, oh, we thought he would be the one to save us. He died on the cross while there was one man by his side. What a companion. One man by his side who said, Lord, remember me when thou comest in thy kingdom. That man's pain was healed that day. Do you understand that? That man hanging on the cross with Jesus, his hurt was healed that day on Calvary. Jesus will heal our hurt when we don't have anyone saying, I'm sorry. You see, one of the problems with hurt, and it's different than anger, but it always leads to. I'll tell you what it leads to in a few moments. Some of the things that hurt always leads to. Always. Not sometimes. Unresolved hurt always leads where we're going to talk in a few moments. But I want to tell you that one of the reasons hurt is so epidemic. Can I use that word, epidemic? It's epidemic. One of the reasons it's epidemic is because it's become socially acceptable to be hurt and not have to deal with it. Okay? If you are very angry, somebody's going to make you accountable. Okay? You have angry outbursts, somebody's going to make you accountable. Somewhere you're going to face your anger if it continues. But hurt, it's acceptable. It's acceptable within our church to hurt. Everybody hurts and it's okay to hurt and it's okay to talk about it and it's okay to sympathize with it but people are not getting the answers for this deadly hurt. And I want to tell you brothers and sisters there will be no hurt in the kingdom of heaven. There will be none in the kingdom of heaven. If hurt is unresolved here it won't enter with us into heaven. That means that we have to start recognizing hurt for what it is. We need to start calling sin by its right name. Okay? I hope that's not too hard. But I'll tell you why I say that. You see, Christ experienced hurt, but never the way that most of us experience it. Okay? When Christ experienced hurt, it was always selfless hurt you understand that? Don't miss this. When Christ hurt, he hurt for someone else. That was his hurt. And if you're having that kind of hurt right now, then all I can say to you is make sure that you're not carrying it, that Christ is carrying it. Be yoked with Christ because you can't carry that kind of hurt. Christ carried the hurt of the whole world. He carried the sin of the whole world and it nearly crushed his life out before he even got to the cross. So, if you have the right kind of hurt, make sure that you're carrying it with Christ. But Christ's hurt was selfless hurt. Our hurt, if we look at it honestly, is usually selfish hurt. They did that to me. I talked to one man recently, and we talked for nearly an hour on the telephone. And he kept coming back to it over and over and over. You don't understand what my wife is really like. If you really knew how she treated me in this home, you don't know what she's like. I said to him, I'm sure that I don't know what your wife is really like, but I'm talking to you right now and about what God wants to do for you right now, not your wife. Will you let him do in you what needs to be done so that you can start having an impact on your wife instead of just concentrating on the impact she's having on you? Because I said, if you continue to concentrate on the hurt that she's causing you and you continue to recoil from it and you continue to respond to her the same way, you are going to destroy your marriage. And he wanted to say, no, it's her! Is it her? She's a part of it, right? But I wasn't talking to her. If I would have been talking to her, I would have been talking to her, but I was talking to him. And this is the wrong kind of hurt, brothers and sisters. It's real in its origin, but it's wrong because it's selfish hurt. And it's the hurt that destroys the insides of a person. When you carry hurt for more than 40 years, I didn't tell you all the things that this lady... This precious lady shared with us the things that it has done to destroy her life. And I won't tell you what they were because I try to make sure that the the, the stories that, that I share from the pulpit are not so specific that you can identify that lady. It's not fair. But it destroyed huge pieces of her real life, daily life, because she wasn't Finding healing in Christ Jesus. You see, hurt will always lead us to these things. And I want to share with you now, and I hope you're writing some things down. If you don't, I hope you'll get this message because this message is pivotal in many people's homes today, young and old. Here's what hurt causes if it's unresolved and unhealed. Anger is one of the first things that happens. Hurt moves to anger. Anger moves to hatred. And it's interesting that we can start out hating what's happening and we will move to hating the person. You know that when Jesus came to this earth, the first thing that happened was jealousy. The the people's feelings, the leader's feelings were hurt. And they started getting jealous about Jesus. That's one of the other things on my list. And they started criticizing him. And they started hating his influence. And they started hating the way the people drew to him. And then, you know, it moved from that to they started hating Jesus. They hated me without a cause, he said. And that's what happens with unresolved hurt. and Revenge and rejection of the other person. And we begin to criticize them. And we start worrying. We start having anxiety. I know people personally that have anxiety attacks. That's what they're called. That's what they're called today. Anxiety attacks. People have been having them for years. The Lord says people's hearts will fail them for fear because of what's coming on the earth. Anxiety attacks because of unresolved hurt, unresolved anger. Fear. And then depression. Depression is one of the fruits of unresolved hurt. Now I want you to imagine for for a moment. If it's okay to have unresolved hurt, what would it be like in heaven to sit around and talk about all of our unresolved hurt? Can you imagine what heaven would be like then? Why would we want to go there? We're dealing with this now, brothers and sisters. This is the place to deal with this. It's in our own lives and our own families that we need to deal with this. And This will not be a part of heaven because if it were a part of heaven, it would turn heaven into hell, wouldn't it? So I want you to be willing to compare your hurt this morning. That's what I've had to do. I've had to be willing, and it's painful sometimes to be willing to compare my hurt to Christ's hurt. I've been on my knees before, before the Lord, comparing my hurt with his hurt. And you know what I come up with? The bottom line is my hurt is selfishness. And his hurt was selfless. So you know where I'm left? I'm either going to deal with it or I'm going to pretend I never looked in the mirror to find out what it was like. And I've chosen to deal with it. You know why? Because I have found that everything God brings to me personally, if I will deal with it, I will find the reason why God wanted me to deal with it. You know, it's a beautiful thing in the gospel. You will never find out the real reasons about sin. You will never find out the real reasons for the depth of hurt. But I tell you that you will find the real reasons for the joy of salvation. There is living power in the gospel of Jesus Christ, in its life-changing power. And you will find out if you, by faith allow God to begin to take the hurt from you that you have been holding on to, excusing, justifying, blaming. God will take it. You know, King Saul and King David are examples as men of so many things in the Bible. I have seen them as examples in so many areas. And they're an example in the area of hurt. Do you remember what happened to Saul when he came in the gates after a grand victory And the people were doing what they always did for Saul. And they were chanting, Saul has slain his thousands. And Saul was feeling really good about that. Just like Saul always felt about the things people said. And then in rides David. And they said, And David his ten thousands. And Saul got his feelings hurt. Did you hear that? Saul got his feelings hurt. And he loved David. Did you know that? Saul actually loved David initially. But he started becoming jealous of David. And even when he started to hate David, do you know that he still wanted David to come in and play for him? Why? He could not gainsay the fact that when David was around, things went well for Saul. When David was around and played on his harp so beautifully, The music of heaven calmed his soul. But Saul chose to continue in his unresolved hurt. And it grew into anger and jealousy. And it took Saul to the place where he began to hunt David himself. Can you imagine this? Put it in perspective, friends. This is the king of Israel. He is on a personal manhunt for David. This is not his armies just going out. This is Saul on a manhunt for David. David, on the other hand, loved Saul. And his love continued to grow even as the man hunted him. Why? Was David hurt by Saul? Oh, over and over. How would you like to be in there playing on your harp and have the king throw a javelin at you? That javelin missed him, didn't it? Do you think that hurt his heart, his soul? He loved Saul. And Saul is throwing spears at him. And Saul is undermining him. And Saul says he's going to give him his daughter. And then Saul does what with his daughter? Gives him to another man. David could have been irreparably hurt by Saul if David would have chose to keep asking why and keep mulling it over and to keep going back to it and to keep telling other people, look what he's done to me. But David chose to find the healing that comes in the power of God. So that when he found himself twice, and one of those times, as you know, he cut off a piece of Saul's garment. Do you remember that? And do you know how David repented for doing that? he repented for cutting off a piece of God's anointed servant's robe. Does that tell you about the kind of healing God can give to hurt? David became a man after God's own heart. Saul. Where did Saul's holding on to hurt lead him, brothers and sisters? It led him deeper and deeper into depression. Do you know that Saul went into depression? His depression became so deep that he went to a witch. And I want to stop right here and parallel this for a moment. I have found in my own experience, and I've seen it in scores of other people that I've talked to, when we hold on to hurt, and we excuse it, and we justify it, it leads us to a point where we do not think reasonably. We do not think rationally. We can find ourselves in a position where we know that we shouldn't be doing something, we shouldn't be thinking something, but because we're holding on to our hurt, we find ourselves doing it. And we look back and say, I can't believe it. I can't believe I did this. That's where Saul found himself. All the way to the point that he would go and speak to a witch who was... Frightened when she saw him because she saw through his guise and the devil told her, this is Saul. And she trembled. Why did she tremble? He had been on a witch hunt. And now he was so deplorably low because he held on to his selfish hurt that he went to a witch knowing that he was doing it. Did he get his answer? And that's the devil, friends. And that's the bottom line right here. This is the end of unresolved hurt. The devil turned on Saul after he got Saul all the way into the pit. Instead of giving Saul some good news, he turned on Saul and he discouraged him to the uttermost and told him what was going to happen to him and that he died in battle. That's what he does. Unresolved hurt always ends up taking us down the why. Why did this have to happen to me? How come they did this to me? And if you continue down that track in unresolved hurt, it will lead you to depression finally. It will lead you to the point where you will do things that are completely unreasonable and then the devil will mock you at last in your unresolved hurt. Because the devil loves to hurt us. Don't let it happen, brothers and sisters, because David showed that that hurt can be resolved by God. Not just resolved in an outward way, so we put on a smile, but resolved in the heart, so that when that servant came to David after the battle that Saul and his sons perished in, and that servant came to David, and he knew what David was thinking, didn't he? His carnal heart thought he knew what David was thinking. And when he brought the tidings, the way he brought them to David, David had that man put to death on the spot. You know why? Because David had nothing left in him against Saul. There was no unresolved hurt towards Saul. And when that young man came to him, And had desecrated Saul and had tried to pit David against Saul. David had that young man put away. We need to put away our hurt. And that's what we need to talk about. We need to put it away. I had a couple, actually, my wife and I were working with a couple. There had been unfaithfulness unfaithfulness in the marriage relationship, hurt and anger. The wife had counseled with many of her friends, Christian friends, and do you know what they were telling her about her unfaithful husband? Get rid of him. You have grounds. Did she have grounds? Yes, she did in this case. She had grounds. Get rid of him. You'll never be able to trust this man again. Get rid of him. This is what she heard. They came to us broken. And she said there was one problem with all this counsel. She said, I still love my husband. Nobody's encouraging me. I love my husband. He's the man I married we said, praise God. There's healing available to you. And you know, it's very interesting. As we have been working with families like this, and in the case of this couple, this woman was doing what many, many women have done. And it can go both ways, but she was trying and trying and trying to surrender her hurt feelings. And we said to her, what you're trying to do will never accomplish it. I hope that doesn't shock anybody. (laughs) What you're trying to do, I call selective surrender. Conditional surrender. I want to deal with this piece of my life. It's causing me great pain. It's right in my face. I'm continuing to see it day after day, and I'm trying to surrender it. I said, what you need is not selective surrender. You need wholehearted, unreserved surrender that will affect every part of your life. Then, and only then, will God have access to wholeheartedly heal your heart. And it happens, friends. And it happens like the woman that I shared earlier that had carried this for 40 years. When she came to recognize this, it happened for her. This doesn't take an evolutionary process. This isn't like a stop-smoking plan that the world has that says, you know, you do three today and two tomorrow and one the next day, and you wean off of them. No, we don't wean off of hurts. We give it to God by giving God me. Don't try to give God your hurt. Give God yourself, and he will take your hurt. There's a big difference. Wholehearted surrender. I want to tell you that that woman did not leave her husband and does not want to leave her husband. And God is healing their family completely. You know, one of the most exciting things, I was sharing this with somebody yesterday, one of the most exciting things is to be at camp meetings like this, or to be in churches, and know that there are people in these camp meetings, you don't know, but I do, that are completely healed by God, that are completely restored and going forward in the strength of Jesus Christ. That's exciting to my soul. Because I know, it's not something I read in a book, I know the life-changing power of Jesus Christ. And He is alive today. And He will change your heart and heal your hurts. So, I want to talk about seven very practical steps to healing the hurt. The first one we've already touched on, and that is the wholehearted surrender. You know, this is the hardest thing in the Christian experience, is wholehearted surrender. What will God ask of me? I want him to deal with my hurt, but if I give him my whole heart, what if he asks me to deal with this area of my life? Because I kind of like to hold on to that area, because it's working pretty good, you know? Wholehearted surrender is how God operates with the heart, okay? Now, having said that, I want to be sensitive. That doesn't mean that God doesn't work with the heart if it's not wholehearted surrender, okay? This is no play on words. God is always calling to our hearts, always pursuing us, always drawing us with an everlasting love, But if you want God to change your heart, then he needs your whole heart. He will not play games with us. He will not say, well, good, I'll take this little piece here, and I'll change that for you and let me know when you want to give me another piece. Now, we may in fact give him pieces of our heart, but it's wholehearted surrender, the best we understand. God will not accept conditional surrender. I hope that isn't hard on anybody here, but that is the truth. Okay? God will still work with you, but if you wonder why... I had one woman say to me, as we were talking together, she and her husband, she said, I do not understand why I'm not getting the victory. I keep praying and praying and praying, and I keep surrendering this. And I said, because you're not giving God your whole heart. You're holding on to something. If that's the case, you will never gain the victories in areas that are right in your face, because until you have wholehearted surrender you will not have wholehearted power to change your heart. So number one is wholehearted surrender, not selective, not conditional. Let me ask you, have we not had enough evidence that God can be completely trusted? Can we wholeheartedly trust Him? Then we can wholeheartedly surrender to Him. Number two, reasoning from cause to effect. Why isn't this going away? Why isn't this going away? Here's reasoning from cause to effect. You need to ask yourself, if you're continuing to see, when you drive by, and you see something, and it reminds you, and it just takes you right back into discouragement, why isn't this going away? There's a cause and effect relationship. And there are two basic reasons. Number one, the reason it's not going away, is you're still holding on to your justifications and your excuses for why you can feel the way you feel. You're still rehearsing it, and you're still seeking sympathy. Number two, why isn't it going away? Cause and effect. Because you are still asking why. You must stop asking why. God cannot give us the why. If you went on your knees every day from now till the end of time and asked God why loose for sin in heaven, he'd never be able to give you an answer. Okay? There is no excuse. If you have unresolved pain, it's because you're either holding on to it, rehearsing it, you're you're comfortable in it, you're comforted by it, or you're allowing yourself to keep going down the why. And it takes you down into darkness. When Horatio Spafford went over that spot in the ocean where his beautiful children perished, he did not say, why? Why? He did not get angry with God. He did not go down that direction. He said, God has taught me that in whatsoever state I find myself. Isn't that what the Apostle Paul said? God had taught Horatio that whatever my lot would be, that it is well with my soul. Was it well with his soul going over that spot where his children died? Was it? Yes, in the present. Was it a happy experience for him? Do you think he shed some tears? But it was well with his soul because he had given God permission to have all of his heart. Number three, take responsibility. If you have a situation that's unresolved and you need healing, take responsibility for your part and then act faithfully with God. There's two texts in the Bible that are very important for taking responsibility in hurt or in anything you want to deal with. But for hurt... To take the responsibility, Matthew 18, 15. If we have someone that has hurt us, that has, has done something to us, has, we have a responsibility through Matthew 18, 15 to go to that person and tell them their fault between them and us alone, the Bible says. Okay? That's our responsibility if we have unresolved hurt. Don't go to all your friends saying, boy, this guy in the church, I mean, he just... No, you need to go. If you have a problem with someone that's done something to you, you need to go to them alone. Then let's turn it around. If you have unresolved hurt because someone has been injured by me, what do I have a responsibility to do? Matthew 5. Matthew 5 says in verse 23 and 24, that if I am bringing my offering to God, that's the wholehearted surrender. Okay, let's put it in perspective here practically. That's the wholehearted surrender. I'm coming to God with wholehearted surrender and I remember in my surrender that I have hurt someone. I have wounded someone. I have done wrong to someone. What am I supposed to do? I'm supposed to leave that situation and I'm supposed to go to that person and do what? I'm supposed to take care of my part of it, right? So God has, in Matthew, has taken care of both sides of part of our responsibility and, and the action of our faith. Now let me ask you this. If you go to your brother, your sister, your wife, because this applies in the marriage as well, if you go to them and you do it in the spirit of Christ, is it a guarantee that you'll have... Res- resolve? With them? No. If you go to them and you've wronged them, is it a guarantee that you'll have reconciliation? With them? No. Because it takes two people to be reconciled together in Christ, right? So, the important thing is that we find resolution in our hearts. And that it's resolution that is not selfish focused, but is selfless focused, like Christ. That means that when I go to my brother or I go to my wife, that my going there is not on my terms, it's on God's terms. That is the best opportunity for reconciliation to take place, either way. Okay? So that's responsibility. Number three those texts again, and I hope you take time to look at these. Matthew 18:15 and Matthew 5:23 and 24. Number four, forgiveness. Forgiveness is one of the most important ingredients in healing the hurt, and it's one of the most misunderstood and not used, not utilized. Where does forgiveness come from? Yeah, it comes from God. Every good gift comes from God. All repentance, all forgiveness, all confession, all everything comes from God that's good. So, will God give us a forgiving spirit even if we're not asked to be forgiven? Even if someone doesn't come to us and say, please, I'm sorry, please forgive me for what I've done. Can we still have a forgiving heart? Yes, we need to have that forgiveness, and it only comes from Christ. If we have that forgiveness... That forgiveness, and I want to mark this point. Have you ever dealt with somebody who says it like this? Because I have. I've had someone say, I will forgive, but I will not forget. Okay. Have you ever had someone say that to you? I will forgive, but I will not forget. You hear the intonation there? Is there real forgiveness there, friends? Is that how Jesus approached Judas? He had a heart full of forgiveness. While the men were nailing him on the cross, Jesus was saying, what? Father, forgive them. Was he saying, I'll get even with you guys in the next kingdom. Was that Christ? Was that in his heart? I'll forgive you, but I won't forget. I mark you, man. I know you're the one to put this nail in this hand. I'll forgive you, but I won't forget. Is that the forgiveness of Christ? That is not true forgiveness. And if that's what we're giving to people, we're still selfish, brothers and sisters. That is selfish forgiveness. Isn't it? Christ's forgiveness was selfless forgiveness. It was not the kind of forgiveness that said, you better change for me to accept you. Now, was Christ able to have his prayer answered for everybody he, he said, forgive them? But that was not Christ's problem, was it? His heart was full of love and forgiveness. That is our part, brothers and sisters, to be willing to allow God to put that forgiveness in us. Number five replacing the thoughts. One of the biggest struggles, this woman that had been dealing with this hurt for for over 40 years, she said one of her biggest struggles was her thoughts. The thoughts kept coming back, kept coming back, kept coming back. She said, I didn't want to think those thoughts, but they kept coming back. I was hit with them everywhere I went. We have to replace those thoughts, brothers and sisters, and the best thing to replace them with is the truth. Okay? Now, I want to speak of this in two different aspects. There are people who have been wronged in a marriage relationship and their spouse has asked them for forgiveness and there's genuine repentance. So if you're having the thoughts about what happened before and they keep coming back, then the best way to deal with those thoughts when you've got wholehearted surrender is saying, I know that that's not how my husband is today. My husband is a a changed man. My husband has repented. My husband has shown me the fruit of repentance. My husband loves me. I don't have to think these thoughts. The best way to get rid of those thoughts is to replace them with the true. Don't keep saying those old thoughts about what was happening six months ago, what he did six months ago, why she did this to me. Why? How come? We've got to let go. The truth must replace those Lies that the devil keeps telling us. Once there is the forgiveness of Christ, those old things become lies now, and they must be dealt with by the truth. The truth will set you free, and ye shall be free indeed. This is truth, and it is the power of God. This truth can be experienced right here today in this auditorium with people Silently, and no one even needs to know the hurt that you're experiencing. Number six, we need promises. We need the promises of God's Word to continue to feed our minds because if you've carried hurt for 40 years, it can be healed. But there needs to be not only a replacement of thoughts, but there needs to be a replacement of God's Word in some of that space in your brain, right? And I'm going to give you some, some texts about hurt and healing. We don't have time to go through them right now, but uh, you go through them on your own. Psalm 107, verses 19 and 20, talks about his willingness to deliver us and heal us. Psalm 41, and verse 4, talks about Jesus' willingness to heal our soul. And Jeremiah 17, 14, says, Heal me, O Lord, and I shall be what? Healed! If the Lord heals you, you're healed. If the Lord doesn't heal you, it's because you haven't really let God heal you. Because he never fails. Never fails. And number seven, pray. Pray specifically for the things that you need specifically. If you find one of these areas is difficult for you, pray for God to make the change in you. God will do it if we will be willing to pray and ask God exactly what we need. Do you believe God'll give it to us? Will he? Yes, he will. Now if you're asking for a, you know, a new Rolls Royce or new Mercedes, I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about it in context to what God has already revealed to us. He will give us anything that we ask him that will restore our broken hearts. He will heal us pray specifically 2 Corinthians 12:9 says my grace is sufficient for thee friends we need to learn this message about his grace being sufficient somewhere between now and what we're going to face ahead don't we we need to know that his grace Christ's grace is sufficient for me today, right now. And you know why it's so beautiful? It's the, the verse goes on and says, for my strength, whose strength? The strength of Christ is made perfect in my weakness. If you're weak, if I'm weak, I can drop down on my knees. If I happen to be anywhere near my closet at home, I can drop down on my knees and I can just say, Lord, help me, I am weak. Will he answer that prayer? I know it to be true, brothers and sisters. It is the truth. We can be in our car and we can be weak and he will make his strength available to us if we call to him. And then I want to speak for just a moment to give to those others. Those others that may have hurt us, whether it be in your home or it be in friendships or it be your fellow church members, if you've done your part in the Spirit of Christ to go to them, if you've gone to them because they've hurt you or you've gone to them because you've hurt them and nothing is resolved, do you have no more duty to those people? Oh, no. (laughs) Romans 12, 21 says, Be not overcome with evil, but overcome evil with what? We need to overcome evil with good. Heaping coals of fire, the verse goes on and talks about. Now I want to tell you that even that sometimes can be difficult. you know that there were times that Christ could not do that for some people? Did you know that? Even though it was in his heart, That because of the hardness of someone else's heart, Christ could not do that at the time he might have wanted to do it. There were times he couldn't say to his disciples the very things he wanted to say to them because they weren't prepared to hear it. But ask God, how you can heap coals of fire on the head of somebody that has refused repentance, refused reconciliation, because in the right time and in the right way, God will prepare the way for that to happen. And again, I I wish I could say that every story will always come out good, but it didn't happen that way for Jesus. And he never made a mistake. So it isn't always going to happen for us. It's not going to always turn out the way we want it to. But I tell you this, don't let it be because we let self get in the way that it turns out wrong. Let's let it be Christ that's revealed. And then if it turns out wrong, Christ can bear that situation. So today, if you have unresolved hurt, if you have unresolved hurt today, I don't need to know that, but God knows it. And you know it right now as you're hearing these words. You know it. If you have unresolved hurt today, Jesus is offering to you that he will heal your broken hearts and he will bind up your wounds. I know it to be true. Do you want that healing today? You know, one of the greatest blessings that God has given us, I believe, and it's come through to my heart over and over through difficult circumstances, is that he's got us in a process where he is going to do whatever he needs to do to show us the plague spots of our soul. Isn't it wonderful? Does it feel good? Not on the front side of it, but does it feel good on the other side of victory? Oh, yes, friends. You know it does. And God is not going to leave these plague spots upon our souls. And so he is continuing to refine us. He's continuing to purge us. He's continuing to cleanse us if we'll be willing. If we'll be willing. So whatever hurt you're going through right now, whatever experience you're going through, please don't keep looking for the wise and and please don't keep trying to make excuses or put the blame over here. Let God purge your soul through his refining fire. That's what he wants to do. He will not turn up the heat too hot. He knows exactly what we need and he will refine us